Ladies and gentlemen, boys and germs, welcome to the Sap the Sex Actually podcast. As always, it is your boy Dave Neal with Tasha Marie Courtney. Hello, what Tasha. Up? Isn't it funny how the dog sleeps 29 hours a day and the second I hit the record button on the podcast, he has to walk up to me and just slug trail my arm right now? <laughs> he just wants to show his affection. Why are dogs' noses so wet? What is that? You know, I'm not sure, but I, I have heard that a wet nose is a sign of a healthy dog. So I feel like it's a good thing. When his nose touches me and it's dry, it's concerning. It's like he needs a bowl yeah, of water. It's like an, er- it's like an dehydrated. Yeah. <laughs> well, imagine if our noses were that wet. That'd be disgusting. Dripping all the time. So Corona we're, factory. We're doing a Monday morning episode. We generally air these podcasts Sunday evening. But you know what? You know what? I just wasn't feeling like doing it. That's okay. Yeah, I just wasn't feeling like doing it. And it's like uh, sometimes I'll stress out because we've got, you know, these deadlines where we have to, you know, everyone's going to be heading to work. It's like we're in a global pandemic. No one's going to work. Day 97. It's I a just self-imposed deadline. Like you don't really need that extra stress. If you're just not feeling it one day, you're just not feeling it one day. We can put it off for 12 hours. I'm so good with my self-imposed deadlines, though. Yeah, that is one of those things that makes you driven. If I could, Unlike me. If, if I could, uh, yeah, if I could have an award for anything, it wouldn't be talent, creativity, uh, punctuation. It's not my vocal skills. I can't sing. Uh, but uh, You don't know the lyrics but to any song. I will stress out in order to get something done. <laughs> Unlike me, who I set a self-imposed deadline approximately six months ago to do my taxes. Guess what, Christian? I did my taxes over the weekend. Thank you for your support. Christian really was trying hard to motivate me to just get it what done. What was his advice for you to get it done? Just do it. Christian, Same with I've like done the, uh, <laughs> 400 episodes of trying to get Tasha to get shit done. And you think you're just going to DM her and she's going to be like, all right, I guess I'll just do my taxes. <laughs> well, no, you crippling know. anxiety until the last second. That's what Tasha needs. Crippling anxiety. And then, and then you, you know, do it Friday night and you go, oh, that wasn't too bad. And I go, yeah, it's 10 p.m. and I helped you the whole way. You didn't help me the whole way, but you did help a little bit. Um, but you're right. And we read about that in the Perfection Detox. I read about that again somewhere else. Oh, you know, it was I did a deep dive on... Um, how women are very underdiagnosed as autistic. And one of the... Um, Sounds like a fun read. Well, when you're worried about yourself and you can't afford a therapist, you know, sometimes you take a so deep dive. So you Googled, am I autistic? No, I did not. Um, <laughs> but oh, that was one of the things that like they listed as, uh, I don't know, not necessarily a symptom, but that like if you are one of those people that can't get anything done until you're under a pressure deadline. Like it's almost like a, you're giving yourself permission to do it poorly. That's a big part of the perfectionism thing is like, yeah, we talked about it on the podcast. We did. So it's go. Yeah. I think that's probably why, why you got in your deep dive, you know, Googling am I autistic is because I didn't do that. Well, but I did. I think we've all Googled like, am I, am I a psychopath? (laughs) (laughs) There's a hole in the wall and I'm just angry and my nose is wet like the dog. And I'm like, am I a psychopath? No, But it's important when you're like on a journey to better yourself, to take a good look at things that you know you do wrong so that you can try and understand why you are the way you are and hopefully develop some workarounds to do better it's it's super silly workaround yeah that's a good way to put it it's ridiculous that i every year i procrastinate on my taxes until the last minute every year come january i'm like your fucking alarm's going off oh sorry i meant to set it for 1 p.m and i messed up an alarm every hour folks nothing but alarms (laughs) and then every time her alarm goes off i have a job Look at look at let me see that. Let me see that. No. Look, only, she's got alarm Dave, every no six minutes. No one cares about this. It is not a visual medium. People are laughing. Podcasting is not a visual Guys, medium. She has an alarm. 852, 854, 858, 9, 901, 902. And those first seven alarms, she doesn't listen to, but I do. <laughs> we should do a deep dive into what are the type of people that need 45 alarms? Listen, to get but up you're in the very morning? what you're saying is probably 90% of people. Everyone waits to do their taxes. Everyone sets 15 alarms. The snooze button. There's a reason that it exists. You think exists. everyone sets 15, 15 alarms? Everyone who's listening is going, yes, everybody sets. F- All of my alarms serve a different pur- purpose. It's like, okay, time to wake up. No, really, time to wake up. No, really, you need to wake the F up right now. 
Those are like the first three. And then it's like, and wake then up an and hour, scroll Reddit. No. And then like 30 minutes later is like, stop drinking coffee. You need to start getting dressed. And then like an hour later is time to walk out the door. Then five minutes later. No, really. It's time to walk out the door. You're then five minutes later. If you don't walk out the door right now, you're going to be late. You're a psycho. You, I need to give many, myself like a I, 10 listen, minute warning you, of time to walk out the door. Let me tell you about single Dave. If I have to walk out the door at 8 a.m., you want to know what time single Dave wakes up? Take a guess. 7.50? 7.30. Come on. Don't be crazy. <laughs> 7.30. That gives me 30 minutes. I can take a shower, eat breakfast. Yeah, Tasha, I can do all those things. You can take a shower. But you know what I don't do is start my alarm process at 6.15 because then you're not getting good REM sleep. This isn't important to people. We should move on. I had a question I for you. I think it's nice to Tur- be able get, to wake up slow. Get your phone out of here. It's it, part tur- of Flip my, it the other way. It's in my line of sight. I don't need to see it. It's part of my self-care process to like sit on the bench by the window sip a coffee look at tiktok no not tiktok although if i can make that my morning routine no facebook is normally the thing i open first so i can get the news of the day Yo, great. The skewed great news of the day. The day. <laughs> Just battling your Kentucky friends. Well, here's my challenge to you. Look, when you, when you, you know you were you were single, you were you were like a stray dog for too long. So you developed these habits that you think are normal. And I'm just telling you, maybe set your alarm away from your bed so you have to stand up to get it. Maybe spend five dollars on an alarm clock. That way, you know, one that's not dependent on your phone being charged and this and that. No, I'm not done. And then and then you and then you get up and you start your day, and that saves you the 45 minutes. I mean. Think about it this way. You're but that's about- literally, like I just said, that would only eliminate like two alarms. All right. Well, either way, uh, you got a lot of alarms. And we go back to you uh, Googling uh, your own deficiencies and talk about workarounds. It's interesting because like when you build a website or a program or the app developer, they got to run it through all these tests to see what's messed up with it, right? And the human body has, th- we, our psyche has things that are messed up with it, but no one runs us through tests. They just Except send ourselves. us out there. Except ourselves. We're the ones that have to run ourselves through the test. We're the ones that have to decide like, is this something that, like, I feel like having multiple alarms is like, a, qu- a quirk that I can live with. Like, yeah, there's a bug in the system in the code, but it's not like a super terrible code. That's like, but do you gonna- ever wonder if, if, if your quirks I can live with? Yeah. Do you ever look at me and go, I wonder if no, you're I right. don't need I mean, my phone if, making noise all day. <laughs> if your husband says, I'm going to divorce you if you don't figure out your alarm situation, well, then you have to fix the code. I would if never, your wife says, I'm going to divorce you if you don't start rinsing the freaking bowls before you put them in the sink, then you have to find a workaround on got that a, code. You've got to fix that code. You've got a gift for for cooking the hardest. You have a, you have a gift for making things not cleaning out the pot or the you know the smoothie container that you know this the bullet that you make it in and that's then it's just not true because it i rinse every is, dish when i put it in the sink yeah, let me finish. you rinse zero dishes when you put them in the sink and then they crust over and then you have to scrub it i needed a chisel I don't know what kind of strawberries you were blending, but the, the the they were so cemented onto that thing. And then and I only noticed in the second I wanted to use what otherwise would have been a clean smoothie maker. Let's move on. So your work so you have your workarounds. And uh, speaking of um of quirky Tasha isms, uh, some people on the internet took a disliking to you eating grapes and blueberries on the podcast, which I let you know. I'm, I don't care. We, um, I love it. Can I tell you the full stats on the video? Do you want to hear, see the full sure. stats? So um, maybe you can explain what happened since last episode. All right. So we had a little chat about the Joey Diaz, Joe Rogan thing. It went a little mini viral on the internet, but the people who tuned in to watch it were very much Joe Rogan supporters and Joey Diaz supporters, kind of women hating, and uh, they hated my grapes. Well, the title I made said reacting to Joey Diaz. This is the title for the YouTube. It said reacting to Joey Diaz, and it was you giving the meanest of eyes. Let me see. That's some, You know what I mean? And then okay. that's the best. I, t- I chose the best thumbnail I could, and then it was a picture of Joey Diaz and Joe Rogan, and then it said Twitter attempts to cancel Joe Rogan, comedian and feminist react. So I so these people came into this with the mindset that we were going real hard. They were ready. They were ready to hate watch this so fast. And <laughs> let me tell you, they did. It has forty eight thousand views. 
278 upvotes, 1,442 downvotes. It has 1,391 comments. You know what? I really, I think you and I discovered that probably a lot of people commented before they really even watched it. I stand by, and I, I felt like, and I stand by that we had a very well-rounded, well-thought-out, multifaceted discussion. I don't feel like we were too hard on anybody. I think we just, you know, had a little ping pong back and forth and talked about what we knew and what we don't know. I think the conversation, I think what our conclusions were, were that we don't have all the answers and he's telling a story and this and that. We don't need to get back into that 25 minute convo that the X's and O's, but I think our conclusions were very much centrist and well thought out. But I think a lot of people didn't like um, the way you and I communicate, which we both have to work on. I mean, I took plenty of heat for interrupting you. So many people are like, dude, let her speak her mind this and that and and then you took plenty of heat too for looking like you hated me and people were like dude this chick hate but but then when, when people watch a podcast and there's a guest there's this assumption that it's like a proper interview people sometimes weren't realizing we're in a long-term relationship so tell and me- yes my face looks annoyed because i am annoyed with you i probably spent about 20 percent of my day annoyed with you on any given day yeah well set an <laughs> alarm for it bitch all right what do you think i got no but uh, and it's true. I don't remember what else we were talking about right before that, but I was annoyed with whatever we were talking about before that. And the, but Dave, people are right. You interrupt me a lot and you sort of like, you know, we had pre-podcast, not really hashed out all our feelings, but we had talked a little bit about what we were going to talk about. And I sort of feel like you were running me over during that conversation, just making sure you got all your thoughts out and you weren't necessarily giving me time to, to do the same, to really like unpack my thoughts. And and you know what? A lot of a lot of it for me was wanting to make sure we had all the facts because I didn't want you to get railroaded because Which happened well, anyway. Well, because what happened with the other semi much smaller viral video, the call her daddy video, is that you were defending points that you didn't know. And I like I like to I like to throw things on you just so people know. I do like to surprise you. I like to I like to get your fresh opinion on things. Uh, with the call her daddy issue, which we don't want to get back into the specifics because it's But, but listen, with, with that, you without didn't, even I didn't let you do the proper research beforehand. You didn't even do the proper research beforehand. I knew that was a big it. problem. Yeah, but you did you definitely didn't share that with me and you didn't have all the facts. I'm admitting it's not, to that. I don't think it's worth like I, I felt the same way about that episode. Like what's the point of talking about it if we haven't done a deep dive and we don't really know what we're talking about. You didn't have the full facts. I had even less than you. And so I was just operating on a sort of like the assumption ooh. that the women were uh, being well, well hypotheticals. I was operating on hypotheticals. If this, then this. And that's not really a super productive conversation when we're talking about something specific and viewers or listeners are going to have more facts than we are. That's fair. And and also, uh, and also I need to, I just need to do a better job of knowing which type of conversation we're going to have because there was nothing wrong with spending 25 minutes exploring, uh, you know, believe all women versus, you know, the the, uh, cancel culture isn't exactly, um, prosecuting their cases fairly in a lot of instances. There's a lot of times where there's just insane amounts of clickbait or people running with stories without knowing all the facts. Uh, it's happening with Chris D'Elia. It's happening all over the place. So, you know, it, it is important. I have that- a good uh, thing I want to share with you about that. Can you just give me a second to look I that up? I sure can. So uh, anyway, uh, there were people, you know, I would say probably hundreds that were like, why the hell is she eating grapes? And I was like, look, if it wasn't grapes, it would have been, you know, she would have ate grape nuts or whatever the whole time. <laughs> if you know, you know grape nuts are. No, people were really upset about the fact that I was eating grapes. Also, I didn't realize that I was in your close up, that I was like getting in the foreground when I was leaning away from my mic to crunch my grapes because I didn't want to mess up the sound. All good. We but got it- 200 new subscribers from it and the video has made about $100 in ad revenue. 
all good. But so today she got out her her blueberries and grapes, which I'm looking at right now if you're watching this on YouTube. And I was like, you're really going to keep eating blueberries and grapes after everyone told you not to? And she goes, it's going to be my thing. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not going to stop eating grapes. Like, I'm just not going to do it. It's something I enjoy doing well. I'm in the podcast. I really felt like it was just a bunch of dudes who wanted to hate me and they were going to find any reason to hate me. Tasha took a hard stance on these grapes, folks. If you Listen, ain't with us on, on the grapes, then you don't deserve a us. A podcast is an auditory medium. Sure, we put clips of this on YouTube, but guess what? Most of the time, nobody freaking watches these. I don't get like, until it's they nice. Watch, until 45,000 <clears throat> people watch it. I don't care. That comment about she needs better stage presence. Dave tried to say that someone left me a nice compliment the other day and then he read it out loud and realized it wasn't a compliment well, at deal. all. Pe Listen, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to eat the grapes. <laughs> I don't give a shit. All right, take a bite. Well, moment of silence, Natasha. <laughs> moment of silence. Eat the grape. No, really. It's totally a woman-hating thing. They're just going to find any reason they can to be mad at me on that particular well, video. People came to your defense because someone was like, dude, Joey Diaz uses a blowtorch to light. You know, when he lights <laughs> yes. his bomb, it's always like this. They're <sighs> always smoking weed on Joe Rogan's podcast. And coughing. His podcast is very casual. It's in their space. This is our house. I'm going to eat if I'm hungry. Some people do edibles. Some people do uh, right. vitamin B, high antioxidants. Eat, have a bite. I'm turning you up. Yeah, there we lost everybody. Good. Now we're good to go. Just a little ASMR. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. But look, yeah, people came to your defense. And, and the thing is, is like everyone, a lot of people, like I said, went into the video looking to hate it because it was immediately downvoted by all of their fans. Uh, and many of which the irony is people were saying, don't judge them without knowing them X, Y, and Z. And I was like, well, you guys just did that to our video. So thank you so much for proving my point, which is, is that we are a headline driven culture. Most of the time we don't even get to the place where we're making our proper decisions. And don't get me wrong. Some people will watch the whole thing and go, look, I watched the whole thing. I think you guys, uh, you know, I mean, look, it was the end of an episode and we, and we, we had already covered some tough, con uh, um, uh, topics, but I wanted to tell you Tasha that uh, it, in your defense, sometimes some of the topics we talk about, can and I don't use this word lightly. Can be triggering. I don't use I don't use the word trigger lightly because I think it. I think to who to us I think, to listeners. I think trigger and cringe are two words that we use way too much. Um, but I think I think to you that topic was triggering because it was crass locker room talk. And I also don't I don't talk much about locker room talk because I think it's a hilarious term. But there is a such thing as. Guys, I mean, some of the things I'll whisper into Darren's ear when we're hanging out with some other, with like friends that would like, you would be like, I can't believe you just said that. But it's guys sometimes, and, and women can do it too. I call it whatever you want. Locker room talk, you, you guys can have it as well. But there's things that sometimes guys will say to each other. That's like, holy shit. And it's not necessarily true. Sometimes you're saying something to see the reaction of somebody else. But you're, uh, here's where women get annoyed with this. Like we realize that it happens. We realize that dudes make jokes about sexual things whatever but there it's a fine line it's a fine line between like making a funny silly crass joke and knowing that you're making it to a person who understands that you don't really feel this way about women that or whatever and, and saying it to a crowd people who don't necessarily understand that that's not really how you feel it creates a culture that devalues women Right. And that's why, you know, in cases like the Billy Bush thing or whatever, women really want in certain circumstances where somebody crosses the line, they really want the other man in the room to stand up for women. Even a victimless crime. I mean, it, it's about the culture. It's not about the actual thing that people are talking about, right? And and the Billy Bush thing is not a victimless crime. But Being that, grabbed, you're having your crotch grabbed is not a victimless crime. It's traumatizing right. to women. But that's and that, so making light of it and joking about it and not having the other man in the room. And listen, we talked about this in our discussion before. Sometimes you laugh out of nervousness. I've totally laughed out of nervousness. Sometimes your friend falls on the sidewalk and cuts their knee and you, you truly feel bad for them and you don't want to laugh, but like you can't help, you know, laughing is like a nervous response. So I get that. But we also really, women need men to step up. We just do. It's the same thing as like, 
minorities needing white people to step up. It, that shouldn't be a minority's burden to have to educate white people about racism. And it shouldn't be women's burden to educate men about sexism. We need the majority, so men or white people, to step up and take a stand and call out things that are problematic when they see it. Because men don't respect when women say, hey, that's sexist. But a man might respect when another man says, hey, that's sexist. I think I, I agree in a way, but I also think you're projecting on what the actual topics that we were discussing were when it comes to like um, no, but that's a consensual I, act that was crude and, and all that. But again, we, we already did 25 minutes on it. What were you going to bring up with this? You had something you were going to bring up? Yeah, I did. So I, I uh, you know, I, th I think men, I think men do respond when they are called out. I don't think everyone has to be shamed and canceled, but I do think there has been a discussion about how we act. I know when I was single, I was always trying to like slide into girls' DMs, but you do it because it's a way to get laid. Sometimes I'm just saying it, that it's a fine line and you also need to know your audience. And some, some people just don't get that like things are jokes. Some people think, you know, that, that's just like how we think of and treat women. And and that's that's where it can be problematic. Nor, you're saying okay. normalizing. You're saying oftentimes sexism normalizes certain acts. Uh, yes. Okay. Um, okay, so about cancel culture. This is a tweet from Dylan Marin. I saw it on Instagram late last night. Cancel culture is an imprecise term that falsely groups together three real but separate things. Justified criticism, unnecessary pile-ons, and mob mentality. Interesting. I thought that was really, like, that's a great way to break it down. Because sometimes I I feel like you call it cancel culture or whatever. And, and it, I don't want us to sweep over or, like, sweep under the rug something that actually deserves justified criticism, right? Because certain things deserve justified criticism, but they don't necessarily deserve the unnecessarily unnecessary pile-ons, the mob mentality. They don't necessarily deserve to have their whole life ripped out from under them. I think we need to allow people the space to acknowledge their actions, learn and grow from past mistakes, and do better in the future. Right, which doesn't exist in cancel culture. It does not exist. There is no jury there is no judge uh laying down proper you know uh proper settlements uh what happens is there's just a set a sub segment of people very small very small percentage that get their rocks off by tweeting to advertisers if we were at if if our advertiser was dove say we're say dove is our advertiser they're very female empowerment right you could you could uh whatever and um and i'm and i'm here saying that locker room they, they what they hear from me is that saying that locker room talk is okay well it's very easy for somebody to tweet at dove and say um i'm, I'm really surprised that you would uh put your money in supporting this type of misogyny and then i and then i would be like oh it's a little more nuanced than that we're not trying to pretend like locker room talk doesn't exist we're having a conversation and that's what podcasts do is we cover such a vast amount of topics that people can just pick and choose what exactly offends them, their offense du jour, and then go straight to the, their moneymaker, which is why people should join our Patreon. And that's patreon.com slash the sap, patreon.com slash T-H-E-S-A-P, where we can't be canceled. Actually, some people are actually canceled from Patreon, but that's like the Alex Joneses of the world. Some people, uh, Patreon has cut them out. But anyway, yeah, your points are right. That is, um, and I said this in my Jenna Marbles video I just released on YouTube, where she was sort of canceled. She basically just decided to quit YouTube. She's a multimillionaire who made her following by making stupid videos that were like, men are like this, women are like this. Totally fine. She actually did a she did a blackface video that she had taken down years ago that, um, of course, uh, she had to re-apologize for. A lot of re-apologizing seems to be the thing you have to do. You'll apologize, then the next generation finds it, then you got to apologize again. It's like, look, she did blackface in 2011 okay she did it 
and it's always going to be something she did. And um, she decided to just walk away. And that kind of doesn't help either because it's like, well, you're just giving people the power to cancel. And and you'll, you'll, you'll know this. We will, unless things change, we as a family will be canceled. Food will be taken from our table in one avenue or another in the future because of something I say. It's going to happen. It's almost like build your following get and I'm not controversial but you've seen me get publicly shamed before and I'm a pretty much like if I'm on that I'm a, I'm on I'm level on that seesaw I am level I'm not trying to weigh it down or go up I want to hear your opinion I, I mean even though I might be I might be sh- shitty at interviewing I might interrupt I might ramble all those things but I've got the altruistic desire to know what pisses you off what you're fighting for and knowing where I come from and my place of privilege, trying to look at your place of privilege, all this jazz. So uh, so it's about kind of building your defense, being a better person at like knowing your points of view and your conviction. What I don't want, I don't want to ever be canceled for something that uh, I don't truly believe in. But if, but I do believe that um, that uh, dressing up in blackface in 2011, uh, when you're just trying to make fun of Nicki Minaj, I do believe that you shouldn't lose your livelihood for that. I do, I do believe an apology is enough. I do, and um, and my whole point with that video is that there are three different levels of murder. There is manslaughter, first degree, and second degree. It's different in every state. Sometimes they call. Um, whatever uh, the point is, if you're drunk driving and run somebody over, it is not as bad as buying a gun and having a plan to go shoot up a school. They are different crimes. And yeah, but if the outcome is the same, a dead person, don't you think the dead person feels like that crime deserves punishment? Not according to our law system. Uh, according to our law system, it's like accident. You guys got in a fist fight. I, uh, some, somebody punched you. You got knocked out. You hit your head on the curb and you died of a stroke. That is different than someone going, I'm going to fucking kill her. That's just different. Of course it is. Yeah. I, it's one, th- one is sinister gonna, and, and one is I'm a shitty, shitty mistake. Argue with you about that. I do think that, you know, it's like we can't predict the future. Sometimes Here's the thing. I don't even want to get into the blackface thing, but... You know, in 20 years ago, people didn't feel the same way about it than they do now. It doesn't mean it doesn't make it right. I wish that we knew better. People knew better that we could see the future. And and, you know, it's just it's it's like a moral thing. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the climate was like in 2011 or whatever but i would think that that was probably not a cool thing to they do they did it on scrubs they've done it on network tv you know they're getting they're getting i mean they did it on 30 rock so nbc's done it i mean it's just one of those things i totally understand we just have to go back and go okay are we getting our rocks off by canceling people from 10 years ago and don't, some some of them are kind of crazy john wayne the uh, John Wayne Airport and like they're, they're, uh, the small airport in, in L.A. County. Is that LA? Santa Ana County? What? I thought it was Burbank. No, oh, no. no. John Wayne Airport is Santa Ana, which is about an hour. hour Orange County. Hour, Orange County. It's about an hour south of L.A. Sometimes it's an airport you take when you can't fly to LAX. It's a much smaller airport, but it's called the John Wayne Airport. And in 1971, John Wayne said some brutal things. He said he doesn't trust black people or people of uh, or uh, L, L, uh, LBGTQ wasn't even a, a term back then. But he said he doesn't trust black people, gays or natives in decision making skills. And it was like it was brutal. He was like it was a, it was a full white power thing. You know, so this like actually John just Wayne happened <laughs> in Cincinnati. There was like this eccentric millionaire or billionaire lady that like very openly was like said super derogatory things towards Jews and black people. And th- it had come up years ago that people, you know, that people said this is problematic. She had, but she had donated millions of dollars to like, universities and organizations that actively help minorities right so like in certain circumstances people didn't accept her money and then in other circumstances people did accept her money i mean she's dead now obviously but um they they would accept money from her foundation but they would say we're not going to name a building after you if we accept this money um fool not to pick up a dollar if you see it on the ground but uh it's come up again recently uh and I think that they are going to be 
changing names of some buildings. I don't, I don't remember the specifics. It might be like University of Cincinnati campus. I'm not sure, but I think they are discussing changing some names that were named after this lady. And the foundation is not arguing it. They realize that she, you know, she said these things that were super problematic. Um, but the foundation's still just trying to do good it's by like, giving like, money that helps the community. It's like, would you starve to death because the person feeding you is uh, not woke? You know, I, it's it's interesting. But I, I do understand that you, you don't want money to buy certain things like prestige and names when it comes from a place that's like a toxic. You don't want uh, Jeffrey Epstein, you know, to be sponsoring, uh, you know, uh, the business school at my, you know, whatever. So I do understand that. But also I think it's like, you know, at some point we, we try to follow these money lines and people, people online, people love a good, uh, they love a good treasure hunt and they love digging up dirt on people and this and that. And for the most part, comics have been, uh, for the most part, um, they've steered clear of cancel culture because there's an authenticity to say, I'm not a perfect person. I'm not trying to be, I did. Can I, can we talk about Lena Dunham? We get into uh, that? Before we do that, I just want to say that I, do, you know, who knows what the future holds, but I do think that the pendulum kind of swings, right? And so we might fall into an extreme of cancel culture. I don't know if that's where we're at right now, but I do think that, you know, it's just like anything else. There are extremists in politics on both sides of the aisle. There are people that are just like really over the top intense, but probably the majority of people are level-headed can kind of see both sides to a picture like you know and in cancel culture I sort of feel like things will eventually even out because people do eventually get tired of you know like burn them at the stake like that I think we will realize as a culture that that doesn't help anybody that doesn't teach lessons in the way that we have kind of expected it to or is or is society that doesn't make a lot of sense or is society so big that there's always the next person up it's like if we cancel matt lauer do we learn our lesson or do we just go to the next scumbag so i do i do i do uh, well but there are some things that deserve to be canceled right you know, there there are certain instances where it's like, listen, this is too problematic. This sort of uh, bad behavior went on for too long. There were too many people damaged by this. But also, yeah, I, I'm the I'm the type, and I think a lot of comics are this way, like counterculture. So when when like we've said in the past, if a magician's doing a card trick with his left hand, I'm looking at his right hand the whole time. I just I just I'm always like, all right, how's that how's that being done? So when you see someone like Matt Lauer being canceled, I look right at the I look right at NBC Universal, and you go, there's got to be a greater story there, and of course there is. Of course there is, but we're all we're all pretty much fine. Yeah, I mean, I think because he's not a Mister Rogers, but should he have been? I don't know. I honestly well, don't know. You and I both watched the show based well, off him, that, right? What was that, that called? Morning Glory, but that wasn't nearly uh, autobiographical. It was uh, well, it was loosely based on the truth. They covered him up for years and years. They knew what was going on and they covered him up, which makes them complicit. You know, it wasn't oh that that I'm confusing the Fox show too. You know, it's just like. Right. How many people are involved in actively making sure that this person who is doing wrong can continue to do wrong? Right. Well, you say you say that you think cancel culture is is a pendulum, and, and most thing, most things in life are waveforms that uh, you know, ebb and flow and all that. But I do I do wonder if. Well, I if, also think it's like it's so a you loud. Say I interrupt, but I no, I, but well, I I have a I'm allowed. If you're going to interrupt me, I'm ah, allowed to interrupt you. You don't have a point. No, I do have a point that I was trying to get to before you s- called me out for interrupting. This is a conversation. And if I have something that I think is important and valuable and, and adds to the conversation that I want to say, I want to be able to get it out. You stomp all over me all the time. So here I am. Yes. <laughs> okay, go. No, now I lost my train of thought <laughs> well, because you were being listen, a dick about it. You get your train of thought. Back, I said, just can... like anything else. I think it's a small but loud group of people. I don't think it rep- it represents or reflects the major the way the majority of people feel. I think the majority of people want to be sensible in this and in anything else. You know that there's a difference between. Oh, are we concerned about these cameras? Uh, no, it's fine. But it's it's always that like tiny fringe group that is the loudest on the internet it's that tiny fringe group that makes the most extreme headlines that 
you know, then get retweeted over and over again. Yeah, and my my issue with it is when will advertisers have the balls to do what they think is right versus what they can do to appease these tiny 1% of Twitter people? Because even even people that are in cancel culture, everyone's got their own sort of agenda for why they do certain things. So you can't even, you can't even trust, you know, it's like, it's like, um, it's it's like the media would be better off if we just had a forty eight hour buffer where we could get some facts before we report things. But everyone's you know everyone's uh, wants to be first to the story. And, and, and likewise, it's true that being first, having the first story, the first story is what people remember. Right. Right. Yeah, we know that with the flake gate. We know that with a, a bunch a, bun, a bunch of things where the first story is what they remember if it's not true. And that's why I think there should be a whole new judicial system prosecuting media companies uh, for when their story doesn't have the right sources or the right facts. I mean, it used to be you needed two. I mean, watch the show Newsroom, obviously fictitious example of what it's like to run a news anchor, but really interesting how they've got that one source. They know it's true, but they don't have that second source yet, so they don't run with it. That doesn't exist for the most part in today's journalism we were watching that amazing documentary called athlete a which is about the um the uh, gymnast uh uh the uh, what was his name the fucking evil man i'm glad we don't remember his name he's uh, in jail for life but he uh, you know molested uh, uh sexually assaulted hundreds i think over 500 gymnasts while working as a uh, doctor for uh, michigan state university and the olympics and anyhow uh it was interesting because usag usag the uh, the um the India Indianapolis star, I think was the name of the newspaper was doing the fucking Lord's work. They were doing the Lord's work to uncover a story that Michigan and a lot of higher ups had tried to bury and a lot. And several of those people are in jail, but for years they were able to bury it. And by burying these stories, a, a true monster, a true person that needed to be canceled, who was like making excuses for why he needed to, you know, vaginally penetrate um, hundreds of, of girls, while, while their parents were in the room. I mean, just insane shit. And um, it's a heavy documentary. But uh, yeah, it's it's like that you see you see those journalists in this in the, in, the, in that in the not, in most newspapers either have closed shop in that regard, you know, because there is there aren't the same funds there used to be to spend years investigating the Catholic Church. You know that the Boston Globe did spending years, sort of like making these investigations. It's just easier for them to blast off a story about Lena Dunham. Let's get into that. Uh, Lena Dunham, uh, creator and star of Girls, went viral this week because everybody and and maybe we're and maybe we're guilty of it as well, playing this game. But everybody is trying to cancel everybody. And uh, Lena Dunham spoke out about privilege and. People just went off on her. Do you know? Do you know like the her story? Are you familiar with like no, her roots? Not really, no. At 23 years old, she made a short film called Tiny Furniture and for sixty five thousand dollars. And there's a, and and the whole thing about privilege, you can't necessarily change where you're born into, the color of your skin, types of things. Privilege is really something you're born with. So if you're hardworking, that's not a privilege necessarily. But if you're white and beautiful, your beauty is a privilege. My uh, my uh, uh, my my maleness is a privilege. It's something we're not going to change anytime soon, and that we have, and um, and it's an and it's an advantage that we have over other people. Yeah, it's almost like some people have to start the video game at level zero. Some people start the video game at level five. Exactly. Like, good, good way to put it, video game style, because LeBron James has height and athleticism privilege, but uh, being black is not. So I'm not saying uh, I'm not saying that that. Uh, he's better off or someone else's. I'm just saying, you know, you privilege but, comes in different, in different ways and in different um, circumstances. You, if you had, uh, if, if not to objectify you, but if somebody has uh, big tits, their privilege at Hooters is probably to make more money than the flat chested girl. That's just what that is in that instance. It doesn't mean that will be worked against you when you're cat called on the alleyway home. It's complicated. But the point is, is that she was born into this privilege, which I don't, I don't want her to apologize for, but, um, you know, every, a lot of times people make it 
in society and then they talk about the hard work they had to get there and then i'll just be like you had a two hundred thousand dollar development deal when you were 19 like you just start knowing people's bullshit so she she basically at 23 made a short film for sixty five thousand dollars, and um and that was and it got into the guggenheim youtube page because her mom's uh they they have a six and a half million dollar uh tribeca apartment and they're very wealthy creators and artists they're like photographers and artists so she so she pitched this the story of girls to Judd Apatow, and it was a one and a half page pitch. No characters, no storyline, no plot. She just pitched basically younger white chicks, sex in the city, because that's what it is. It's sex in the city for young chicks in Brooklyn, right? That's all it was. The show um, really didn't have anyone, any people of color, uh, except for, um, I believe, um, uh, Donald, Glover. Donald Glover played a... Uh, black Republican, which, um, you know, whatever, uh, that's fine. But, uh, but yeah, so, so other creators are just like t- sharing their story about like, first of all, fuck you, Lena Dunham, like Christella Alonzo. I've worked with her before. She's a very funny stand-up comedian. Very funny. She co-created the show called Christella in her, and, and she's a Mexican American, uh, you know, uh, uh you know, uh, stand-up comedian. Uh, the show probably lasted about a season, got canceled. She didn't make a dollar for her sitcom. She didn't make any money off of selling the sitcom. Her, uh, her white co-writer made three times as much as she did uh, with whatever other deals they had. And they just said, well, well, she didn't get the same amount of money because she wasn't ready for it. And Christella's like, the name of the show is Christella. The name of the show is so it's so it's it's interesting How, that people are sharing second. these stories. How is that even possible? She wrote this show... I don't know. I don't know how she didn't make money for the sitcom. Maybe it was built into her deal. I'm sure. I'm, obviously, she made money. She starred in it, and I'm sure there was back end money. But you know, you know these networks when they get a hold of you, they sign these like seven year contracts, right? So you know, you don't make you don't make much money. There's people go, wow, why did that so and so quit SNL? Because you don't make much money doing that. Yeah, and it's true that just like Lena Dunham, I mean, obviously, being born wealthy is the biggest advantage you can get because literally your parents can write a check to the Guggenheim and whatever generational wealth exactly or you know you can afford lawyers when you are selling your show to a thing and the lawyers make sure that you don't get screwed you can afford to not work another job you can afford to not drive 50 hours for uber so you can even come up with the idea to write something i i'm telling you this right now with the and I'm not afraid to say it with the, people are uh, not wanting to go back to work right now because they're making more money on unemployment. So what does that say about, about the country that we live in when making more on unemployment is better than going back to whatever your gig is? And I got to tell you, I can go write an article or a screenplay or whatever I'm working on because I have the time to sleep the seven hours. Yeah. I mean, it's true that like being an art, you need to come from a place of privilege to have any chance of success at being an artist. It's true because just like you were saying, you like, there's this pyramid of creativity. I don't know where I've seen this before, but basically like if you talk about like your pyramid of needs and output, like creativity is at the very top and you can't at the very bottom is like basic necessities, food and shelter. So until you have all of these different levels, like, I don't know, five levels, seven levels of, of needs met. Um, you can't truly be creative. You're, you're create, like you don't have the energy left over for creative output. If you can't afford to feed yourself, if you can't afford to house yourself, if you're struggling just to make ends meet, you're not going to have the bandwidth to output creative works. Totally agree with that. And it's, and you know, it's like, I mean, not just creative works. I mean, our relationship really struggled after I was in my accident and I was trying to come back from my debt. So I was working these 50 to 60 hour weeks driving Uber, not to mention, talk about how dangerous this was. How many times I probably, oh boy, it was, it was not a good thing. And I'm working, I'm working that hard just to overcome my debt while also beating the shit out of the only asset I had, which is the vehicle. And it killed my stand-up comedy. It killed all my creativity because I was in survival mode. And the system kind of keeps us in survival mode when we need a system that lets us thrive. Yeah, how can you ever, I mean, we're not going to be a society of great artists if great artists can never get off the ground because they can't afford to. 
You know, it's the same. We talk about this because, you know, if while we're talking about like poverty as a huge disadvantage, I mean, let's be real. Minorities have a greater, higher percentage of people in poverty than white people. And so that's another thing that's holding back minorities, black people, because they don't have access to generational just, wealth, it, you know, the, it, the lower middle class, I they mean, have less assets. It's harder for them to own a home. And so like, how are you even not just artists, but like, you know, how are the great, uh, doctors of our time? How are we going to have like the best minds in medicine? They need a family succeed to support them if they can't afford to go to college, yeah. you know, or, or, you know, I, I've been talking to you privately about, wanting to hire an intern or assistant, you know, obviously I, I hate the concept of unpaid internships because I don't think it's fair that, uh, that only people who are wealthy can afford to take an unpaid internship. Obviously I can't afford to like pay a lot of money, but like, you know, I want to make sure that a person that is working for me feels fairly compensated and can afford to live. And sometimes the compensation isn't just monetary. Like I would, I would, I've offered my services for to other YouTubers and podcasters for free because I know I'm going to get something out of it. And there's a currency that's not just, you know, a monetary currency, but yeah, there was, this issue exists everywhere. We, uh, you know, the UCB, which is actually like shutting down now, I I heard, which is insane. It was the puppy mill of improv organizations and they were criticized it was basically from the top down snl was criticized for not having as many many minorities and they said look we we go to ucb we go to these improv places to find our talent well ucb groundlings these improv places cost four or five hundred dollars a course so you need to be not working have five hundred dollars to take a course oh yeah and you need about five of those courses so you're talking about twenty five hundred dollars you need to just be able to give away plus the time to practice and all that stuff and the there was this uh, yeah and the classes are normally three days a week right so all of the people that were rising up through comedy was stand-up comedy because you can do it for the most part for free and a lot of i mean it's a problem you know people are starting to talk about it that big companies prestigious companies places like vogue or like prestigious law firms or publishing companies like all of those places only do unpaid internships so how can you get a leg up to work at like the best of the best you know, because that's a lot of what it is, right? It's like, oh, you get your foot in the door by doing an unpaid internship and then maybe you will get hired after graduation. You know, you can't, you're not going to get those prestigious jobs if you don't ever get your face in front of these people. And, and the only way to get your face in front of these people is to take an unpaid internship in New York city where rent is $3,500 a month. And afford to live there. Mm -hmm. And it's insane, but you know, it's more nuanced than just black and white, the, the socioeconomic culture that we live in, you know, there's a plenty of white people. I, I mean, take, take me, for example, I've got my, I've got my privilege. My family's solid middle class. Maybe my mom was lower middle class till she remarried. You know, she was living, you know, two kids, no child support working full time. I mean, she's, she's a patron saint of single momhood. Uh, they're doing good now. They've got work ethic. They've got, they've got some, some good skills there. Uh, I can't get anybody to read my script. I'm not mad at Lena Dunham for being able to pitch something. There's plenty of co- there's plenty of comics that can go pitch and do their elevator pitch with no script. But normally it's like, well, that's because you're a seasoned vet, not some 23 year old who's like, oh yeah, I can do that. I made a sixty five thousand dollar anyway. So I'm not bitter towards her. I just know my angle is to work harder. And I'm not bitter. I I've, I've talked to you before, maybe on the podcast. I had that cool time meeting Judd Apatow where I thought he was a cool dude. He talked to me at like a guy at the UPS store talks to another dude waiting in line. We were both at the the Hollywood Improv. It was Black Night. They call it like Chocolate Sundays or whatever it's called. That's what it's called that at um they're getting rid of all these names, but they're getting rid of like calling things Urban Night because it's ridiculous. But that's what they called it, like Urban Night at the Improv. So we were literally two grains of salt in a pepper shaker. We were the only white guys there and we we're hanging out and talking. And he was a nice guy and he's he's uh, one of the greatest comedy producers, writer, uh, directors of all time, really. But uh, there's been a lot of backlash given towards him, given towards Lena Dunham, that there is this society of creators. And when... It's like we. It's like with the government. I've heard this a lot lately. People are weary of giving away certain rights and power to the government because once you have that power, you don't give it back. And it's the same way with the power struggle with with different. um, You know, if you take like directing, right? Take Judd Apatow. He's not going to give 
that his gigs away to people. He's everyone. Everyone's harboring within their tight knit community because that's just where we come from in society. You graze for those berries. You're not giving those berries out. I think that's what we're challenging people though, is like realize if you are in a situation where you have more than enough, it's like, don't be a Jeff Bezos. You don't need to make a trillion dollars. You know, that's absurd. That's insane. You in 500 lifetimes, you could never spend a trillion (laughs) dollars. You don't need that. So don't be greedy. And I think that's sort of like if you have, well, it's about having like an abundance mindset, right? We've talked about this on a much smaller scale. If I can help another model out by giving her the email address of my agent so that she can self-submit, then I can do that. I don't need to worry about her taking jobs from me. I need to have the mindset that there's plenty to go around. And I think that's what's missing. You know, we had that good chat with your friend, uh, your friend Maddie, when we were at her house for dinner, and uh, which wasn't a threesome. I showed up with lube. <laughs> I showed up with the spicy lube. I thought we were. It was weird. It was going. To, it was weird going to a date night. It was basically a girls' night out, but all the other girls canceled. So like, Taj was like, "Can I bring the guy?" And she's like, "Sure." And I was like, "Well, third wheel in it." So we went over and uh, had some wine, and I was like, "Well, we fucking what's going on? A uh, massage circle?" So not not no. I don't like. I don't see Maddie that way. I'm kidding with you, Tasha. Uh, but uh, nothing's off the table. So, uh, <laughs> kidding. Uh, but anyway, I was like, I was kind of making these comparisons about the modeling industry. And I was like, y'all don't have a union. You don't have a Facebook group. You don't have a, you have like these girls nights out and you see your agency friends at Christmas parties, but there is a cutthroat aspect that doesn't, you know, it might work short, short term in the audition room, but it doesn't work long term. And, and comedy is the same way in, in a sense. Like we do have each other's backs, but there's plenty of comics that won't tell you who booked a show. But then, but then, but then, yeah, I'll get an email from uh, this comic, Chris. Man, I got an email. He was like, dude, give me your email. I'll send you my contact list. He sent me his like Excel spreadsheet of bookers. Now, it doesn't get you far because, you know, th- th- these things are sort of widely shared, but it is nice to know. Yeah, but don't you back. think it's just a percentage, right? Like if you send a hundred, email cold emails to bookers you might have a 10 percent response rate you or know. two but yeah and it's it's um it's like everyone's replaceable there's so many people in your game and my game we're all replaceable but don't so, you think it's sort of like a karmic thing yeah like i believe that if i have an abundance mindset if i am generous with my contacts or you know work or referring friends whatever that that generosity comes back to me. It's reflected back to me 100 times the amount that I give away. You know, it's kind of like- stingy reflects stinginess back to you. Yeah, it's a low energy thing. But also like, I just know people that, did you know? Didn't give me the time of day. So if if uh, you know if I'm going to be in variety for a TV show I sell, I can quickly know who's full of shit and who's an actual friend. I mean, I've already made those judgments with who's on my back, and you know, and that's pretty easy to tell. I mean, you know, but um, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, it's, but who wants to carry around that kind of bitterness? It's not even bitterness so much as like, you know, you know who was there when you couldn't offer them anything. So who will be there? Take the Patreon. I told them on the last episode, free tickets for life. I can't offer the Patreon free stand-up tickets right now, but I can tell you what, if I'm performing in your town at a comedy club, I will comp your ticket. No brainer. That's just a no brainer. You know what I mean? Because these are people that believe in us when we're not like this high and tight, sexy, you know, Hollywood couple. We're hanging out in our small apartment. That's it. So ride or die, bitches. Which, by the way, I love the direction it's going in. We've got the most uh, Patreon members we've ever had. It's not, uh, you know, it's not uh, an, an army, but it is a battalion. <laughs> we have a large it's cargo a- helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> not a cargo plane. We got a 22 people. It's a good side, good size barbecue. If yeah. we had a backyard, we could host a good size barbecue. Yeah, the cops aren't getting called <laughs> yet. I don't know. If we get a little loud, they might show up. Let's get the cops called. Let's get that up no, to 30. please. I'm just saying. Let's get it up to 30. But for the people that have listened, I'm, I've ramped it up. I am um, sorry, guys. I'm eating it. Yeah. Everybody complains about me. Listen grapes, to yeah. you. Gross. Someone's going to be like, oh, there's this podcast I love. I don't remember what it's called, but they eat grapes. Oh, the sap. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so um, what the fuck was I just about to say? I don't know. It's not too often where I'm speechless. <laughs> <laughs> it must be the grapes. The grapes ruined my train of thought. Yeah, there's, um, I don't know. There's, uh, <laughs> there's, there's, 
I don't, I, I, I am completely. Well, we were talking about privilege. Obviously there's privilege. You get a leg up by being born wealthy, by having a mom who can buy you an apartment in a college town so that you can, you know, get in-state tuition and have an investment property or your parents own a spot in Los Angeles or New York that you can just rent, you know, that you can live rent free while you're working on your creative thing and living in a very expensive city. So for Lena Dunham, it's just when you have that platform, I guess you have to be extra critical of not coming off completely hypocritical. So she's always been a believe all women type of person. Well, a couple of years ago, an actress accused a writer on the show Girls of rape, of raping her when she was 17. And Lena's response was, while I suggest we believe all women. This seems to be one of the 3% where due to the facts that didn't actually happen. So a very dismissive when you're, when your stance is supposed to be one way and you're the other. Yeah. And very dismissive. I mean, it's, she's in, it's in, like, uh, were you there? <laughs> yeah. You so, know, like if you weren't there, you can't say definitively one way or the other, whether something did or didn't happen. And, on, and I understand wanting to get some, give someone's back. It's a tough situation. It's a tough situation. It's when, hard to think that someone that is your friend could have potentially done something like let that. Let me ask you this. What's the difference between all lives matter and believe all women? As far as morality goes, uh, I know I cannot I'm bring I'm just this, you this. I cannot bring this up right now because it would take too long okay. to find it. But there's this great infographic online that's super eye-opening, and it's you know it's like tiny little pictures of bodies, right? Oh man, we're gonna have to post it on the we'll SAP Instagram the SAP, at the dot SAP. But basically, you're looking at a chart of like a hundred tiny icons of people, right? And then there's like the percentage of accusers that uh, get prosec- get prosecuted, right? I mean, the percentage of accused that get prosecuted, and then there's the percentage of the accused that go to jail, and it's like two people, and then. In the corner, there's like percentage of people falsely accused and it's one. It's a tiny, tiny blip of people that are accused, are falsely accused of rape. A tiny, 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 tiny blip. And that, that but, blip, but like when we're looking bigger. at, if this is filled with women, right? It's like percentage that are reported and it's this big. Percentage that are prosecuted is this big. And then it's percentage that are. Uh, Blow that up and then look at people with money it becomes more complicated. That's a different topic. I'm saying believe all women, but I'm also saying like we've seen in the NFL, there's been some, you know, if if you're if you're if you're an NFL wide receiver and you're making 22 million a year, you got the blue check mark and you're only banging chicks that slide into your Instagram, you're you're in trouble. Cuz you're going to find people that are looking for a certain level to of take power. advantage. You know what I mean? So it's not just some random, it's, it's that's when the statistics, statistics don't be as random because it's like you're a target and there's plenty of people. Show that me sliding. an infographic. <laughs> I, I understand what you're saying. I get what you're saying. There's certainly people who act predatory in lots of different situations, right? There are a small, small percentage of society, people that are specifically looking to like take advantage of others or harm others. But like, big picture the percentage of rapes that are ever reported is so small the percentage of rapes that are ever prosecuted is so small the percentage of rapists that serve any time at all so small the percentage of people falsely accused even smaller than that and even today yeah and that's why part of uh the shitty pr of defend the police which i think defund def- the police. when i say defend <laughs> defund police is a is a um poor word choice for what they want to do which, which which i think most people agree on which is take money that goes to like militarizing police and put it into you know a, a policeman shouldn't be the person a rape victim goes to i'm not sure if this is lapd or nypd but i saw another thing last night that was super interesting it was another graph um you love your graph i love a graph because uh, I'm a visual learner. I like visual representations of things. But uh, they basically said that whatever one city's budget is 5.6 billion. And then it said 10%, no, 1%. It doesn't matter. I can't do math, but 1% or 10%? We're somewhere in between. It is um, 5.6 million. Can you do the math on that? Is that 10% or 1%? 10%. Just keep going. I don't, I'm too far lost on your, uh, but you know, it was like, they were talking about a 10% budget cut, which 
is is also a massive amount of money or one percent. I'll just try and bring it up. Regardless, or, just get to the graphic. That is that is it. <laughs> that is it. Is like what we're talking about is just a small, small budget cut. And then you see these graphs where it's like percentage of other things that we of what we spend on other social services, and then it's like what we spend on police and it's like all the way to the end of the page and everything else is just a tiny sliver. You know, uh, we, we got to wrap up here. You got to go to work. Uh, the, the, the thing Tasha with a lot of our issues, cause this was a, um, this was a nice buffet episode where we, we pull a little of the sesame chicken out. Then we talk a little bit about all lives matter. We go all over the place, but uh, are you listening to me? Got it. You got it. NYPD budget, $5.6 billion. It's one of the largest armies in the world. Okay. Perspective moment. 1% of 5.6 billion. Is 56 million. Is literally 56 Ooh, million look at that math dollars. I just did. Well, that's what I was trying to say. You didn't do the math when I was spelling well, it I out to you. I wasn't listening. Okay. But think about it. $56 million is a 1% budget cut to yeah. the NYPD. $56 million is a 1% budget cut. Think about all the other places where we could put $56 million. My, my point is, because I do got to get you out of here, okay. is that what we, what we could do better as a society is rather than having CNN on the far left and the Fox News on the far right in this fucking dodgeball match where we're just throwing headlines at each other, I think most people agree Okay, we could pull some money. You know, most Republicans don't. They don't want money in government. That's supposed to be the thing. Let's pull some money out of def, uh, out of the military. We don't need uh, a billion dollar aircraft carriers that sit on the lot. I don't know all the specifics, but we know we can find the money somewhere. There's literally hundreds of million dollars that just goes missing, right? Let's pull some money away from that. Let's pull some money away from uh, militarizing the police. Let's put some money in the inner cities. Let's put some money into uh, rape counselors. Um, how about um, you know educating people on safe sex? Educating Housing people the on homeless, all mental health care, so health care. It all can exist without the taxpayers touching another dollar. It all can exist. And I think what goes wrong in the media is that people, like if, if we sat somebody down on this table, take my stepdad, for example, he would never support Planned Parenthood because he doesn't want his tax money going to killing babies or whatever the, the, the right messaging point is. That's an easy conversation to have. Hide amendment. It's an easy conversation to have that that your tax money doesn't go to abortions. It goes to pap smears and fucking, you know, getting people's uh, titties checked out. Uh, Yeah, I just just want to clarify. No taxpayer's dollars goes towards abortions. Now, could it? Maybe. We didn't even get into that whole talk. Uh, We'll wrap it up in uh, the Supreme Court ruled uh, uh, in favor of keeping abortion clinics open in Louisiana. I'm sure it's more complicated than that. But, um, you know, that takes away from this crazy thought everyone would have. I'm pretty sure the Supreme Court has leaned left since Kavanaugh has been a part of it. I I, I don't know. It wasn't his vote, but... It, it wasn't his vote. And it's not about that they're leaning left. It's that they don't want to... Uh, that there are precedents. So like in the um, gay rights thing that everybody was really happy about that just passed a couple weeks ago, like they, they leaned that way because of a precedent precedent that says you can't discriminate on the basis of sex. And in this case, there was a precedent in Texas set that said, basically you're, you're limiting women's uh, access to health care. It was basically going to make it so that like only one abortion clinic would serve like 10,000 abortions a year. You would li- like McDonald's would have a hard time fulfilling that if they were just drive through, you know, shootings, just what, I don't know, whatever they do to abort, you know, I'm trying Yikes. my best. I'm trying my best. I to think wrap you're it all tired together. and let's wrap it up. We're going to wrap it up. That's what you should do to avoid an abortion. Wrap it up. What? That's a good segue. Okay. We're having uh, fun here, folks. Um, if you liked this episode, uh, you can support us by sharing it with your friends on social media. Do us a favor. We need a little bit of an extra push from you guys because we've lost that percentage of our listeners that had a job. They no longer listen. 20 
15 or 20 percent of our downloads have gone missing like the treasury budget we're just missing these numbers and uh we could use you to help us find some new people sure enough even though forty-three thousand people hated our last video on youtube we got 200 new subscribers so there is a market out there for people that want a nuanced conversation about things like this where i probably lean more center than tasha i got the male point of view you got the female point of view and pretty soon hopefully we can start bringing in some guests because i do like having a guest on and hearing their story but you know we've taken a little bit of a pause from that because zoom calls suck and it's annoying so instead of doing that we're uh, we're dissecting things ourselves i think we've got a great chemistry but i think if we do four episodes a month i think two as you and i and then two guests i think that was a good combo that way we don't have a guest every week but we can bring them in here about because i love hearing a guest story about you know getting their their first time getting laid or you know you know whatever i love i love hearing a good triumph story i'd love it if maddie would come on she seems to have some good sex stories but uh, maddie shout out to you come on the podcast let's go open up your mind uh amongst other things uh anything you want to promote tasha uh i would appreciate some love on my instagram i've been uh slowly removing like Bots. ghost followers from my Instagram. I didn't realize how big of a problem this. Oops. There's the alarm, folks. <laughs> we got to go on that. Tasha, hit the alarm. Is that your fuck you? I got to get out alarm. That's the time to go alarm. I've got five minutes to pee and get out the door. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I've been deleting fake bots from my account. Um, As opposed to real bots whatever I've been deleting it's crazy because they have like no posts and they follow 7,500 people but they have like a profile and I don't know anyway yeah, their name their their screen names user or they'll have like seven two six pictures on their thing so I've been like manually going through and deleting but uh I have because I've been deleting all these bots I now have lost some followers and if you guys could help me out by liking posts or leaving a comment that would totally help me boost um my, my engagement and my reach on Instagram so At I would really Tasha appreciate Courtney. that at Tasha Instagram. Courtney. And soon enough, she'll be able to air out her new or our new travel blog website, which we're working on. Uh, a lot of new content coming out, a lot of leaps we're taking um, because we've had more time to focus on things like this, things that we think we actually add more value to. And uh, that's that's all coming out. If you uh, if you could, the, my YouTube, Dave Neal, hosts all of the SAP playlist. We have clips and full episodes. So if you want to go check out some clips, hit the subscribe button over there. I'll tell you what, that's what's going to buy us the home. That's what's going to be the thing is um, making it on YouTube. Uh, they pay you money when people watch. So watch, click through the advertisements and uh, you're doing your part. If you want to go above and beyond, our final note is check out the Patreon. It's where we have weekly episodes. I got these new lav microphones I was able to buy because of our members. Uh, we've pretty much raised a couple thousand dollars over the course of the last year and a half and it's gone to the Sony um, A6000 camera, new lighting system, new Rodecaster Pro straight in from Australia, this $700 tool that's helping us out. And it's going to all this gear that's making us a little bit more professional and more convenient. So the lav mics are great because we got two lav mics. We can go on hikes and do podcasts. I did a podcast on the roof and uh, I think Amanda uh, commented she loved hearing the birds chirping. Oh, Fucking nice. Birds are flying around me. I'm on the roof. I got the lav mic plugged in. I'm, I'm you know, my hands are free. I'm talking to the wall. It's it's really nice. So, uh, and every five minutes, a fire truck drives by. <laughs> actually, you only heard a little bit of a helicopter, but it's mm. actually pretty good about getting out that road noise. Good. And um, so, yeah, so we'll have to uh, find new ways. I mean, I'd love to ride a Ferris wheel. Me and you on a Ferris wheel. Let's podcast it. We can uh, we can do some fun things now that we've got uh, some some more mobile gear. More gear. No place to put it. So anyway, you can go support us on patreon.com slash the sap. We don't have advertisers right now, but we do accept your support. There are different level tiers. $5, $8, $12, mm. $50 if you want the soap. We got handmade soap. And um, <laughs> Although, do we have any to send we, right we now? Are we out? Challenge me, folks. Buy the soap and then challenge us to get it to you. Uh, when you join the Patreon, we send you a handwritten postcard. And, um, and, I, and you know, sometimes I'll send random I'll send random letters. I think I sent one recently to people, just a random how are you doing letter. And uh, yeah, we really appreciate our small community that's over there on the Patreon app. And uh, I don't, yeah, because it's private, I get to play music. I had, li I had jazz music the other day I was doing a podcast with. Tasha's got to go before her alarm hits again. Let's call the episode. She's Tasha Courtney. I'm Dave Neal. Have a good one, everyone. Bye.